Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. Home of the hit sequels. Oh, the here we go, baby. Here we go. It's Christmas time. It's we're Christmas here to time. watch a direct-to-video sequel. I'm Eric. That's how we do it. I'm Charlie. We love movies here. This is a movie podcast. And oftentimes, we fall into that temptation of third, fourth, fifth sequels. Yeah. God, some of these series that we love so much are deep in very unrelated lore. Well, it's one of those things where once a movie's got like four or five versions of it, yeah. like just pick. Just pick just one. Just go one. Just yeah. dive in. Who cares? There's right? like eight zombie movies. Sure. There's a zombie seven? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's do it. There's like J- seven Amityvilles. Jason X deep, we've done. Deep Amityvilles. Yeah, we no, love we- did that. We so love that. I love when direct-to-video movies are like scripts that have nothing to do with mm. a franchise. But it gets bought and then like throw in a guy with the the same name as one of the other characters. Right, right, right. I love that. We got to make it work. There's so many of these deep cut, especially in the horror direct video market that have nothing to do. But we're talking Silent Night, Deadly Night. One of the great horror Christmas franchises. Sure. When I think Christmas horror, Mm -hmm. my favorite horror movie ever is Black Christmas. Exactly the the seventy three and we've done it. You can we've done you it. Can listen Go to listen it. to it. We did the sequels that listen were the to me uh, just remakes. Gush about how great everybody looks and mm-hmm. how amazing this movie is. But that's my favorite horror movie. Not just Christmas horror movie. Just happens to be Christmas. Right, right, right. So after that, when I think of just Christmas horror, Silent Night, Deadly Night. I mean, when you think Christmas horror, all you can think of is the poster video box art of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, man. Santa with the axe coming down the chimney. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one of the most iconic image, iconic images, all Hands of horror, down, right? Hands down, right? Especially that is, Christmas horror. Just that Santa cuff, yeah, yeah, above the chimney. That is a great ad design. But we're man. we're not here to talk about that. Movie. No, we're not doing. <laughs> we're not doing like the best Christmas horror movie. We're not doing Killer Santa. We're not even doing Killer Santa Part Two. We're making sure we no one's just... wearing a Santa suit in oh, our Christmas man, horror movie. Man, we decided movie. to stick this arrow right in the dead center of this five-movie franchise. That's how you do it. Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. You better watch out. Better watch out! Exclamation uh, point. It is set at Christmas. There's Christmas trees. There's drunken Santas. Mm-hmm. There's no murderous Santas. And it is sort of tied to the franchise still. This was it actually This is. was still tied in... It four and five were not <laughs> right, right, right. By four, we were we were talking about a satanic cult. We were going other. <laughs> it, it was prom night sequel. Pro, yeah, totally. Then, but, which is yeah, I was surprised actually that even this part three was was still tied. Part still of the canon. Sticking it to the first one. Part of the canon. We're still following. Still the showing Ricky Billy Brothers to the first movie. Yeah, I did. I, and another thing it had, <laughs> which I lived through this era, but I. Don't remember why psychic powers were such a oh, thing man. they were selling to the teenagers in the late 80s. Gifted kids, psychic Gifted powers. Gifted kids with like ESP, you yeah, know, yeah, were yeah. really a thing that they really wanted kids to believe was a possibility. 
every Throw that in there. This was like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Dream Warriors. This was Silent Night, Deadly Night, The New the Blood. The New Blood, yeah. It really was. It really was. This was what was happening in 87 to 89 that had so many psychic female teens. Honestly, there was, it, yeah, it, there was this weird late 80s obsession with the idea that teens would be in like a mental ward. Yeah. Or that they would be experimented on. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. that there would be some sort of scientific electrode to the brain operation. A lot of brain electrodes. Yeah. A lot of dream monitoring. Yeah, yeah, like doing dream <laughs> studies under a fluorescent light in the middle of the afternoon. Were teens really scared of about, about dream monitoring in the late 80s? I was but a I child. I mean, were scientists that into it? I, I can only it imagine. It seemed like horror really got into the idea of dream monitoring uh, young empaths or yeah, something yeah. in the late 80s and decided to make every one of our favorite horror movie franchises have one of them. Well, at least in... Other movies, not this one. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason to study these kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, uh, this one, the girl is blind. Yeah, they give her, and, and everybody calls great. her a handicap. Yeah, yeah. Not oh. just that she has a handicap, get she handicapped. gets called a handicap. So we have but, a, like, she also just kind of claims she's psychic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without any real, like, at least in Dream Warriors, there was, like, some kind of, these kids are all having nightmares and visions. Sure. Uh, the other one I always think of is Flight of the Navigator. Okay. Early, yeah, yeah. Earlier in the 80s, but like the, the whole first half of that movie is that kid just hooked up to computers. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's like if a kid disappears and is the same age nine years <laughs> later, you're going to test him out. This one was the scientist was just like, he's re- she's reaching into the, this other person's soul based yeah, on Yeah, they really go into zero this dreamscape level of 15-minute uh, opening. That's why it feels like one of these great sequels. That has that was a different script. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't feel like a a Silent Night, Deadly Night two script. Uh, but then you have this evil Doctor uh, Benjamin Horn. Yes, <laughs> pre Twin Peaks, the first of our our David Lynch Peaks. folks. Yeah. Now that we we're gonna get into that, but it's that, funny because I don't think I can recommend this movie. But oh, I can. <laughs> if you like David Lynch and Twin Peaks, I have to recommend this movie because it's impossible not to. Watch. There's yeah. There's nothing I love more in life than seeing a David Lynch Twin Peaks actor show up in something else. I mean, I don't several, know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember seeing you know, aside from maybe Laura Flynn Boyle, it's like none of these other people ever showed up in anything else that I right. could remember. And then when you discover these little nuggets. Yeah, when you know, you, Ray Wise, Grace Zabriskie sure. were actors, Larflin Boyle, Kyle McLaughlin, but when you start getting into the other, the deeper yeah, yeah, characters, yeah. you know. When we watched uh, People Under the Stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like oh. Ed and Irene. Oh, sure. Cast as the husband Yeah, I didn't wife. know Everett McGill, you know, before uh, Twin Peaks. Right. And so when you get a movie that has three Twin Peaks future stars, all, you know, that's good. Three mm. Lynch actors. Three Lynch all actors, in there. yeah, yeah. Beautiful thing. So... Our main girl, though, in Silent Night, Deadly Night, Dream Warriors, The New Blood, <laughs> better is, watch out, is not Jennifer Connelly. But I, no, she's she not has Laura to Boyle. be just casted as a Jennifer Connelly type, right? Yeah, because she nails every part of the 1989 Jennifer Connelly look. The, this I'm movie opens it. up on eyebrows. Yes, in a way that I was like <laughs> immediately hooked. <laughs> Immediately the hooked by the eyebrows. Be, mm, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. I like... Sure. I like... Uh, but 
she's like you said she's thrust into these dream experiments that she they clearly establish in the first two minutes she doesn't even know what she's a part of (laughs) but she's in this deep as you say for no point they're just like let's see if she can contact this murderer whose brain we save it's like there was a 15 minute opening that we didn't ever see yeah yeah and then we just jumped deeper into another movie and i love it i do like that i I don't hate it it. i don't hate it we because do, we're kind of jumping in right now. Like we get this return to Ricky, our our young uh, Santa obsessed, traumatized boy from the first two movies of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first movie, amazing. The second movie, made up of a lot of the first movie, but great in its own way. The second movie is infamous. Yeah, infamous for it's being. A, it's a meme, but honestly, I think it's pretty cool. It's very fun. It's very stupid, but Ricky as a character is so terribly overacted yeah. so consistently throughout the whole movie <laughs> that like by the end of it, you're like, yes, this is Ricky. This is Ricky. I love Ricky. Yeah. But also he's terrible in it. Yeah, really bad. But and so we, Ricky's yeah. back in Better Watch Out. We get to see more Ricky. Except he Thanks, is guys. a comatose corpse with, um, like, okay. So Bill Mosley. So hold on. Genre, yeah. <laughs> genre legend Bill Mosley. Uh who I love the most as Otis in, sure. uh, in all the Firefly, you know, family movies. Right, right, right. And did did Bill Mosley, at this point I'm wondering, did he have an actual brain injury in the 80s <laughs> and, like, acted around it for a good five-year period? There's a lot of early Bill Mosley with some kind of, uh, like, metal plate brain surgery. I, li- I genuinely assume that, Whoever cast Bill Mosley in this was like, I want to do his character in Texas Chainsaw too, <laughs> yeah. and just redo that. They gave him like a Mars Attacks brain oh. cap. Guys, right? There are so he, many weird things dude. in this movie, but the first and foremost weirdest thing <laughs> is that Ricky has been turned into a coma patient who has a transparent <laughs> dome over his exposed brain he's with like, a little blood splish splashing in there. He's like, Krang. It's <laughs> it's like he's got like brain chemicals sloshing around in his in his exposed brain case. He's like Metroid, right? And our yeah, and our <laughs> our mad scientist goes like, I want to wake him up, this deranged killer, and psychically link him to a blind girl I happen to meet. I don't yeah, know how these two I got just together. Yeah, they do. We don't have any idea. She's just going we, to we see open this mid experimental process. Yeah, we here. feel deep into this other movie already, and I love that. So yeah, <laughs> about better watch out. It really is like this movie. Stick with it, but like the first half kind of is the best part because you get everything all at once. Blind girl with psychic powers linked up to transparent brain dome guy. Yeah, with just yeah. A, just a bolted on glass dome on your head. Yeah. With just brain chemicals sloshing and, around. And that there. like cool Bill Mosley just face with like some extra eye prosthetic makeup <laughs> yeah. on there. Just, Bill, Mo- just Bill to... Mosley can get a good scarred up face. He's good. He's got a good good bone structure. I, for I don't know of any actor more who never looks the same in a movie than Bill Mosley. Like he <laughs> oh, really is the oh, guy. Like... Otis, man. In Devil's Rejects. Well, yeah, but, scum, but Otis you know? doesn't, doesn't look doesn't like this look guy. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like... He's such an unrecognizable, old, scummy man. It's such a great turn, but it's all within the same weird, scummy, depraved universe. Yeah. (laughs) And you you show up so in the middle of this other movie, and I think you said the first shocking thing is the the brain chemical sloshing around in Krang's Mm -hmm. dome. 
The first shocking thing for me was right in the credits where it said directed by Monty Hellman. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Monty Hellman of Tulane Blacktop and like my one of my favorite movies about cockfighting. <laughs> Cockfighter from 74. Yeah, that Monty Hellman. Yeah, that one. This is and, a Roger Corman kind oh, of a yeah, guy. Man, he here. did those early those 60s uh Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. Corman movies. Uh, the a lot of westerns. In fact, one of his movies gets shown on a little gas station yeah, yeah, screen did, in yeah. here with Jack Nicholson and Karloff. But I had not remembered that Monty Hellman was doing Silent Night, Deadly Night three. You better watch out. I, apparently, he thinks it's some of his best work. And I think I I heard that too. Yeah, and couldn't find a reason to expand on why he thought it was his, <laughs> not his best movie, but yeah, his yeah, best yeah. work. And I think it was because he was cobbling together like seven movies. Well, in they, one yeah, movie. The other thing to read about this movie is that it was made in like six weeks, like written, rewritten, yeah. shot, edited, premiered at a festival like three months after it started. And so how that's good work. Can you not love that shit? Mm-hmm. I love that. That's why you get a dude who made films for Roger Corman to come in and make a third movie in a franchise made up of three movies right right right. this guy knew how to call well, made up of like scripts. one and a half movies right if you count the first two <laughs> <laughs> so like you said part two is infamous for having so much footage from the first movie yeah 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 like a third of the movie is literal just full scenes which i think is very convenient if you've not which caught up on the silent night deadly night sure. franchise one is fine but just watch two, and you'll you'll get the gist <laughs> of one. Just watch two, you'll get the you get gist. The cliff notes. You'll know what. Uh, yeah. So Monty all the Hellman highlights. does get to use uh, a lot of footage from the first one, but I actually mm-hmm. really loved how he used the footage because he used it as more as kind of you know snatches of a of a dream. Right, right. Kind of images that you don't understand yet. Psychic flashbacks. Psychic as flashback it were. kind of. Shit. He's also very smart to not use a single frame from part two. With, right. With the previous Ricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and his Just terrible child acting. Ricky. Yeah, yeah. Poor Rick. That Ricky in the first one was the cutest kid. Man, those... I hate all that stuff poor Ricky has to witness. That's why I think I love this franchise. Well, I young, sympathize and with young, Ricky. That first movie is tough. Harrowing. Honestly. Very tough. Like, not fun to watch. Maybe I like part two more because if just there's a little more fun. Part one gets serious at times. It's That's why I think it's, it's the bleak. best for him because it is bleak and scary. It is, It is yeah. empty at times. There's always something on the warm side of the door, but I get part two is the fun <laughs> yeah. one. Part two's fun. Mm-hmm. And Hellman kind of really makes good use of a little bit of glimpses of footage mm-hmm. to really show this trauma in a more professional way than I think you would have gotten from another slapdash kind of late 80s direct yeah. video director. Right. When I saw flashes of the first movie start happening in the beginning of this movie, I was actually got worried. Yeah, you thought you were going to be seeing a full hour. I was exactly, I was like here we go again. I cuz uh to prepare for this movie I watched part 2 and it was like, "Oh no, am I going to have to watch an hour of part 1 again yeah, yeah. for you, a third movie?" You've not seen the 3, 4 and 5. No, this is, is this is right. your first deep step into the later uh, 3, 4 Silent and 5 Nights. just came out on Shutter. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. took the chance of yeah, we were They're watching on Tubi 3. Also, I'm going to watch 4 and 5 absolutely after this, but so, yeah, well, I was very worried. I was like, oh no, this <laughs> but is going to be better another... than that. And it's weirder than that. And yeah. it's disjointed and simple. But 
this plot we jump into with Jennifer Connelly and this girl, Jennifer Connelly, Samantha Samantha Scully. She was only in three things. Okay. But she's the whole movie here. It's insane that somebody's given this much of a chance. And And as a blind person. And being fake blind. I can't emphasize enough. For your first role? (laughs) You're in the third movie of a franchise that's you're barely loosely connected to where she's just in a dream meeting up with with Jason. Yeah, yeah. You know? And she has to blind act her way through this movie? Girl. And she's also kind of an unlikable character. She is caustic at times. She is going, like, there. She tells it like Tia. The first half hour of this movie, I was like, I I am enjoying the deep, like, uh, this, yeah, this character, this blind girl that she plays, Laura, is, like, angry and bitter and doesn't connect to people. I was like, we're going to see a real character arc in a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. Right. I was very excited. Doesn't quite get there. It doesn't quite get there. But I really enjoyed the conflict. <laughs> like she's not just a sweetheart blind who's like, I'll sign up for a psychic experiment. <laughs> she actually is like <laughs> mad about stuff. And she's also an orphan. Oh yeah. And her brother Her brother, oh my God. Is an uh, another Eric DeRay. Our second Lynch actor, Eric DeRay. But you talk about unrecognizable actors, man. I need to know what Eric DeRay's real hair is. <laughs> I think that's it, man. This you can't fake the mane he had in this movie, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is power hair. So you know Eric DeRay is uh, is it Leon? He's Leo. Leo, yeah, yeah, Leo. Leo. New his, shoes with his slicked back, kind of balding, uh, right. tight ponytail, Very vegetable. Tight. Yeah, he's the trucker in Twin Peaks who uh, slaps around matching. Yeah, and then. It, Basically here, he goes into a coma himself goes in a coma and his for new much shoes. Of the series. Yeah. And here he has got this like the most sensible haircut in Striper. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's not quite hair metal band. It's not quite but it's like the rhythm guitarist for Enough's enough. Yeah, yeah. I know you know, what you mean. he's got this curly jungle boy haircut with like bangs. Bangs bleached. It is just but like perm curly. It yeah, is. Man. It's not just wavy. We're talking. It's approaching curly sideshow fries. Bob yeah. hair. It could get to that point, but it's more of a you know since he's wearing a leather jacket too, then it makes it look more metal. But it does seem like he makes a point to have it mostly in his face whenever possible. Oh yeah, man. This like is he's a walking sideways so that the hair is in his face at there one is point. Tossed hair. And he's also <laughs> got this weird like surfer bro kind of vibe that I right. It's kind of endearing. He's so friendly, and his sister's such a he's such a nice guy. In this such movie. a such a mean girl that yeah. he's just there for. I like their thing. I like their thing, no matter how odd and underwritten it was. Right. That was the only time this actress showed real good, good chemistry were when she was talking kind of heartfelt with Eric DeRay. While as she's staring off into as nothing. As she's just staring at like a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and, man, but our Benjamin Horn, you know, our doctor is this yeah. weird. Richard our other That's our other Twin Peaks uh, yeah, yeah. guy. He's this weird, like, Joseph Mengele, Frankenstein, experimental uh, psychopath. That's what I was not expecting from this movie. Was, it it's opens Frankenstein. on that. It opens on a Frankenstein yeah. story. Yeah. Bill Mosley as Ricky is essentially the monster who has been cobbled together after he's gunned down in part two. Yeah. To the point where 
They have to have a blasted. transparent dome over his exposed yeah. brain. Yeah, we yeah they they assembled pieces of his brain back to with electrodes and uh, his glass yeah. mother brain case. Why is it transparent? I know why they make. Why his would brain you make so it so visible? you can see the brain? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> his whole brain and literally like blood is sloshing yeah, around in it like sloping. a child's toy. It is so bizarre. <laughs> But anyways, that brain case has to exist as a prop somewhere, right? Somebody oh, has to have. The I hope brain Bill Mosley has it in his God, collection. I hope so, because that is like if I'm Bill Mosley. Because honestly, <laughs> keep the brain case. The problem in this movie is they did not give him enough to do. He said he is essentially he said that one line. He is essentially walking around as Frankenstein's monster. He is at a slow shuffle the entire time. He's a slow, stabby Frankenstein's monster. He kills a guy dressed as Santa Claus, does not take the suit. He hitchhikes in his hospital garment, then just, you know, kills random he truck. Make, He's right. basically Michael Myers he is. if Michael Myers <laughs> had a brain injury. Yeah, yeah, it is brain injury Michael Myers. Yeah. And uh yeah, when we we join in with uh Mengele or Frankenstein, and we were and this. the The plan goes wrong immediately. That's okay. why it feels like we're forty five minutes into this movie because we get jumped into mm-hmm. Richard Beamer's plan, and then Mosley's waking up ten minutes in. He's a yeah. zombie corpse broken out of his coma. The drunken hospital uh, greeting Santa called him. He says, "Hey, vegetable, who's your favorite <laughs> singer?" Perry coma. That was pretty good. And then he, <laughs> then he died. That's what awakened him. He got awakened by a diss. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. just like Jason getting awakened by disses. This happens. <laughs> Serial killers. Like, Jason gets awakened when he hears teens fucking. Sure, sure, sure. But Bill Mosley got assaulted by a Santa. And he's like, nope, nope. Ricky does not get assaulted by a Santa. He does not take lip. Well, I love how Santa's. yeah, this one simplifies Ricky's whole Santa obsession to when he sees red, he's triggered. He's a bull. So he just he's yeah. just needs to see red at this point. Yeah. But yeah, the He's just Frankenstein afraid of red and he the, manages to hitchhike like 40 miles up uh I5. Yeah. The lack <laughs> of this movie is all about the lack of oversight. Yeah. In things like this experiment <laughs> yeah, should never have been happening. Oh man, this guy was not not in line. This convicted killer who had already been convicted in part two should have been under <laughs> he some was police being kept alive protection. By only this guy. Nobody knew what was Nobody going knew. on. <laughs> Literally, Nobody knew. Robert Culp, as the security <laughs> officer in the hospital, is like. You're telling me you're doing what in my building? Yeah. So here's the great thing. What's going on? This movie feels so... Oh, it's so funny. When you feel like you're getting led into this crazy twisted path of a Dr. Frankenstein, his corrupt vision for associating with the minds of killers. And then Robert Culp shows up (laughs) and it becomes this weird like odd couple buddy cop (laughs) comedy for the rest of the movie between both of them that guy is basically no longer a sadistic medical experimenter he's just having to listen to robert culp talk about his 1989 wireless cell phone uh like messaging plan hey you guys want to know what cell phones and cars were like in 1989 (laughs) this movie will let you know this movie has a three minute ad from robert culp about like like, cell phone usage in 1989 so part two was like, I'm going to waste 40 minutes by showing the first movie. Part three is like, I also need to waste 40 minutes, but I'm going to do it 
now. Yeah. I'm going to have people sit around Granny's house while Granny's missing <laughs> and no one goes looking for her. And I'm going to have Robert Culp talk about call waiting <laughs> to Richard Beamer Dude. in the middle of I love a Robert hunt. Culp is giving one of the finest just fuck around. Got, you know, like it's former amazing. big guy performances where I don't think he's dogging it, but at the same time, this professional actor gets brought into the third movie of a franchise of which he's surely not seen the other two. He wasn't a guy that showed up in random horror movies. And I love the idea of him having to deliver lines about this character, Ricky. So there's this funny Robert Culp disconnect where he's talking about the story of Ricky differently than other people do. He's taken on like a... He's like a Richard Belzer law and order guy mm. or a Jerry Orbach. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like a weird, much. different vibe. Where he's just like, I'll tell you. He's like Kojak where he's like, I'll tell you what Ricky likes. He likes killing whores. And it's like this totally different vibe for a There's bit. This, they cut away from the action to show him and Richard Beamer in the car driving for an hour to <laughs> to the location. Dude, this place is like 30 minutes away. They took and, and the an, whole time he's going like, yeah, in all your psychology, Doc, you forgot one ingredient, murder, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. it's like, he has all, all these great stuff. Telly Savalas bad like cop show lines. He actually really gave me this very, like, that's what Bruce Campbell's going to be doing in like 20 years, <laughs> yeah. in 10 years. Like, yeah, he, yeah. the chin, the I mean, he's probably doing that kind of stuff now. It's, it was a very, like, proto-Bruce Campbell. Very but yeah, Robert Culp shows up for reasons, I guess, to get a big name, an unrecognizable name there, but... You have this whole other story of when we get introduced to Eric DeRay's girlfriend. Talk about. I mean, I don't I guess Eric DeRay in nineteen eighty nine, was that was that hunky? Was that, that a thing? Was that a hot guy? That must have been a must look. Must have been a hot guy. Yeah. Because yeah. he shows up with his girlfriend, Jerry Laura Herring. <laughs> Miss USA nineteen eighty five, David Lynch alum, Laura mm-hmm. Herring. We love her in Mulholland Drive. She gets the head injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seeks help from Naomi Watts. Yes. Major part of Mulholland Drive. She's great. I love her. She's so beautiful. She has this classic uh, just sound and beauty. I love her face. Such a great heart-shaped face. This was her first movie. Oh, cool. She's young. She's 20, early 20s. Mm. And she's got that great 1989 fashion that's kind of hot right now. So she looks like a cool, hot, modern girl. Hmm. That's tapered jeans, white socks, capizios, the bangs. She also looks a lot like our main character. Like they dark look hair. Very similar. Dressing the same. Everyone's Laura dressed Herring, in like Laura Herring's like the Mexican movie. version yeah. of <laughs> our main character, Laura. Yeah. Um, but Laura Herring is not a great actress, but is such the kind of beautiful actress that classically gets started. In horror movies, you know, after this she did soap operas and then David Lynch and then right, you know, married She's to a descendant so of Otto von Bismarck and oh, is that one right? of those one of those gorgeous women who lives probably an incredible life somewhere. Oh, I hope doesn't so. need to act. She you know, deserves it. Can just look like her and be a diplomat. I love her, but she is just so great to look at. She has a perfect face for a horror movie. Mm. Might not be the best material at all times because a lot of the material we get is her just getting dunked on <laughs> by this blind psychic just she just takes some abuse from Samantha Laura. Scully as the blind Laura has yeah not only is she not nice to people she is mean to people and she is she jealous 
Yeah. She's one, she's like jealous that her brother has a girlfriend. Yeah. She is not happy about Orphans uh, are weird, it seems like. Yeah, I've been like. watching a lot of orphan cinema lately. Yeah, orphan, orphan siblings horror. it's weird, man. They get I don't, messed up in I don't these get horror it. movies. Yeah, like why are but you we, mad that your adult brother has a girlfriend <laughs> and wants to bring her to grandma's house for Christmas it, this Eve? This whole movie is a long trip to grandma's house, even though grandma oh. lives like thirty minutes away. This is like a cross California trip. This is a long Pyru, yeah. where are you going? Pyru it's like 30 minutes up five. And I like, don't know. It's on the way out. Every movie set in LA, you have to talk about like got, how to get there. You got a great map reading by get, Laura Herring. <laughs> you, you get take the 101 <laughs> up to the egg. Like any movie that takes place in Southern California, apparently. Imagine like needs when you're converting it. a Miss USA pageant winner into like her first acting gigs. You give her lines that are like, all right, what she, what can she do feasibly? It's like, well, maybe she won't know we're filming. Just have her give this guy directions <laughs> on how to get to this lot. So never look at a map. Yeah, you just get her just going like, you go the north of 101. You go the, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is some good, this is some good California freeway talk. Yeah. Also, the small talk you make with the sister who already hates you is like, so how long have you been handicapped? <laughs> so how she keeps getting called a handicap, and uh, yeah, and then no matter Mr. how Ray has to be like change the subject. change the he's doing like a collar grab, <laughs> but yeah, Laura Herring is already on shit street with Laura. Yeah, even after just offering a handshake, to which Laura dunks with her. I don't. Shake on the first day. She knew she was extending the hand and still rejected Instinctively it. knew that hand was out there, even though she's <laughs> blind. Just knew that there was a... F- I was like, this bitch is standing here with her arm out waiting for me. She's just up, and she's just uh, in that cool girl pose with, like, one heel up on the car, mm. arms folded, like, man, what a sassy blind Walking girl. Walking stick just, like, folded up oh, into man. its little sections. She's so... She, after she calls the mean office receptionist a bitch, and then just walks off like a she's like a calling, cool blind she's girl, calling strangers bitch, yeah, in like public, yeah, man, That's how cr- how bold is that? Like Dude. you can't see any kind of retaliation like, coming. People don't do that, right? Like <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> but the way she just sits down next to people and then just sh- like starts cockily folding <laughs> that blind person cane that white cane just Dude. like snapping those segments it and was wrapping uh, it. honestly it was pretty phallic yeah it was pretty phallic like if i'm in a film class in college i'm telling the students that was a, that that stick is a dick the first 20 minutes of the movie make constant dick references without making dick reference and then i then yeah. it drops all of it and then it made me feel weird for noticing it but there's <laughs> okay, too I'm many glad I'm not the only there's one. too many intentional things in the first 20 minutes of this movie like uh richard beamer saying stuff like she wants to penetrate his mind mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. she'll let me take it deeper like no you don't yeah. just accidentally end up with that stuff yeah. and then she's going around swinging her big old white cane around <laughs> slapping people in the face with it tucking it back into her pant nope mm-hmm. none of this can be accidental i don't know why it was in there because it completely vanishes <laughs> after that 20 minutes well you can't but do that at granny's to house be there you can't yeah. go to grandma's house and forget to pick up the butter on your way oh and uh but Laura Herring is just having a bad go of things. Because yeah. after getting her handshake refused, she says something about, oh, I heard you're a psychic. Very nice. Very normal question to ask. Right, innocent. And Laura just slams back, 
Yeah, well, my brother says you give good head. Mm. Second line in. Where do you get into this wall that she's put up? I like, character. I like the response where she itch. says, I'm good with my hands, too. She says, okay, we're gonna, I'll play your game. I like it. I'll play your game. I liked Laura Herring in this. This is a good, yeah, yeah. fun, first-role horror movie. This is David a good Lynch girlfriend. Cried. This is a good, Laura, solid A-plus girlfriend. Laura Herring, then when they get to Grandma's house and Grandma's missing, yeah. Laura Herring's like, let's take a bath together. Man. The lack of concern over Grandma in this movie drove me bonkers. Grandma it drove is me missing, completely and they immediately excuse it away by coming up with things that Grandma has decidedly never done in her life. <laughs> it's like she probably just walked the seven miles into town to get the butter that I forgot. Like, yeah. does that sound like? Let's give Grandma fifteen more minutes. We're breaking this down into fifteen minute increments before <laughs> Laura we get Herring panicked? from then on is. She is such a cool cucumber that she even is kind of like playing it cool when you're like, guys, I don't know if this is normal, but the car is missing. (laughs) Yeah. Neither of you moved the car. It is gone. Is that normal around here? Everyone is playing it so cool at the end. This is cool. The weird thing about this movie that I think this is the reason why the vibe on this movie is kind of this cursed tone i think it's not just the slow second act that takes a long time to get to where we're going yeah there's not much music in this movie Hmm. it is a silent night at this place there's not a lot of score cues going on they pick up more when bill mosley shows up and is chasing them both through the house right but there are so many scenes where they're just talking to each other in the dining room and it is quiet it is one of it, that made it feel like a shot on video <laughs> where we can't overdub any music. Yeah, yeah. We don't have a score. There were so many scenes of them just quietly in a cop car talking to each other. It was crazy how the plot just stops forty plot minutes. Stops in forty minutes in like, and resumes forty minutes later. Like the plot is, yeah. They're just Laura, waiting for a guy to break in. Blind Laura, her brother, and his girlfriend are going to Grandma's for Christmas Eve. Bill Mosley, as comatose Ricky come to life, can see Laura's thoughts. Psychically. There's a Dr. Sleep knows, thing going on yeah, between yeah. them. So there's a connection. So he he goes to Grandma's he house. He hitchhikes. He beats he them there. He beats them. He beats them there. This is a 30-mile trip. This is just up north. And Grandma is also psychic. So she like knows it's about <laughs> yeah. to happen. And she's like really nice to Ricky, the comatose patient, who's like, yeah, stalking Robert her Culp in her house. is not a psychic, but he makes five incredible leaps of faith to immediately figure out yeah. what address they're all going to be at. So, so everybody's at a range of psychic. But like at the forty-five minute mark, we're at Grandma's house. Yes. She's gone. Culp, <laughs> Grandma and is gone. Beamer, and everybody recognizes it's weird. Yeah, but nobody is acting like it's the weird. stove is on. Yeah, yeah. Re- yeah man. Grandma has left. The stove is on. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking That's, red flag, yeah, man. Major red flag, Folks, right? if you've ever gone to your grandma's house and you called her on the way there and she was like, I will see you in an hour, and then she's not there and the stove is on, <laughs> call the police. Yeah. Well, no. at least Laura Herring says we should call the police. And Eric DeRay goes, That's a good idea. Smart. That's smart. smart. <laughs> He's pointing it out. Nobody thought of yeah, that until that not moment. Just beauty. 
She's yeah. the smart one here. So we literally spend like 20 minutes like House of the Devil style just kind of hanging out. <laughs> yeah, watching we get TV. a lot of house vibes. Just kind of like grandma house vibes. I'm in one room. Now I'm in the next room. Hmm, grandma's still Laura's gone. moving some furniture. Grandma's not showing up. Yeah, weird. And then finally we get our big conclusion where then it becomes more like uh, wait until dark. Yeah. Where now it's uh, Bill Moosley stalking a blind girl. And we get this. Uh, yeah. Once people start dying... Bill Mosley starts attacking him. He's really stabby. And uh, yeah. we get Eric DeRay getting stabbed. Though we don't get a lot of kills in the movie. Every kill is off off camera. It's weird how... Off screen completely. Yeah, like uninvented the kills are. We get a lot of are. point of view screaming. Yeah. Feels the, very 1964 the best gore, Roger Corman. The best gore in the movie is the nurse in the beginning. With yeah, the we throat get some cut. cool throat slash post-stabbing uh, post gore. The squirting blood yeah, is Yeah, we get gore, cool gore related to the After Effects, but, but no kills, which is kind of fine. Well, and then it's like Ricky is, again, he's shuffling. He's this barely so, walking. This guy hitchhiked 40 miles wearing a gown with his open brain. And he somehow kills case. like four people yeah. who have guns and normal mobility. Yeah, that's where the movie, they really do make him Uber Jason. Yeah. For the final showdown, he becomes Uber Jason, which Eric, I guess everybody kind of does because Eric DeRay gets stabbed a bunch and he just shows up like a cool guy with a shotgun mm. at the end, like Bruce Campbell. Oh, uh, with his quip. Uh, what was he it? shows? Okay, I'm trying to think. So it's like in the basement, and then it's like, uh, yeah, something our like a Memorex about, moment or something. Is it live or is it Memorex? Bam! Shotgun blast. And then, blast, uh, and then Bill Mosley just gets right up from the shotgun blast. <laughs> so it's right. like, oh my god! But then he gets stabbed to death. So I never know what what can kill these these men that have been possessed by. Is he also like Mike Myers now? Was Ricky becoming a Mike Myers character that the other the, the franchise didn't catch on? Yeah, I feel like were that's we what turning they were him going into for. Uber Jason? Or yeah, they they were going for like a yeah Voorhees or Michael Myers thing, but like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> There's no, there's no clue that this is going to be that Man. kind of a, a Michael Myers movie until it snaps into that. And the blindness, that isn't even really paid off in any way. No. Because it's, it's only paid off when she, she breaks the oh. light bulb and says, now you're on my level. But the room seems <laughs> very so bright. It is a very, very well lit room. He finds Dude, her immediately. I was thinking the same thing. She's, yeah, it's like, I was thinking the same thing. Like, why is she blind? Okay, we're going to have the face off in the dark. There's a giant light coming from the other room that is illuminating everything. The whole room is backlit. And she tries to like run by him awkwardly. That was a bad And bad, he immediately bad grabs bad her. And it's like, is our final fight between barely functioning Frankenstein and blind person? Yeah, man. It's just like if Frankenstein was a, was a mean guy who hated red instead of fire. Well, the, just an easily triggered Frankenstein, but even more lumbering. Just the idea of him. I love that he didn't get... Here's but why is he trying to kill the girl he's making the psychic connection with? So I don't get I it. I love... We do get a shot. Like, they really want us to know that Piru was a real town in California. So we got this great him hitchhiking a lot next of to a road talk. sign yeah. of Piru and Lake Piru. But they were already a mile away from Piru. 
So he already made it like 39 miles of this trip. And uh, I love it. How about when Robert Culp and Richard Beamer are like at the gas station where the guy gets beheaded? Yeah, yeah. Maybe my favorite part is is the guy on the phone and you know he's getting it. And it's like kind of closing in on him. And then it's like ding, ding. And you're like, oh, he's about to get Michael Myered. See? And they do that. There's some cool, like there's cool moments like that. But then, yeah. Culp and Beamer are like, it's 15 minutes up the road where we need to be. There's such an odd couple bickering in a car for so long. And Culp has to stop to pee? Yeah. In the middle of a 15-minute drive? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. This whole movie is a is about a 30-minute drive to Grandma's house that takes a night. <laughs> this movie goes from the early a.m. hours. He's even talking about, when, it, when er, early in the movie, he's like, so I'd like to get a pretty early start out tomorrow. They're living up the road. Yeah. And by the time they get there, it is like midnight. It is pitch black outside. This is just a th- half hour up five. It is. That'd be movie, like if I had to stop to pee in between here <laughs> and like Target. Yeah, it's like, like what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, I had to stop at Taco Bell to pee on the way over here. It's like you're four minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Plan anyway, ahead. Right, yeah, so Richard Bieber just steals the car while Robert Culp's peeing. Robert Culp gets one of these great, just like, are you kidding, are you kidding me? That was great. And yeah. then he just shows up with a bunch of cops later. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, everything gets wrapped up. Guy, get, I guess you can't shotgun him to death, but you can stab Ricky to death uh, when he sees a thing that's red. He's just yeah. a flamed bull. And uh, I still kind of loved it. <laughs> still kind of <laughs> like this shit. I love that. I, I admit, I'm kind of a sucker. I get hooked right when that red and white graphic came in with Silent Night, Deadly Night oh. 3. And then the you better watch out swung it right into place. Yeah. I knew it's like, boy, they're going to have to mess up a lot to lose me. Once you get three David Lynch people, one mm-hmm. of them including a bathing Laura Herring. I mean, you guys want to see... Chris DeRay and you want Laura to see Chris DeRay in his right? curly hair, chest hair. His chest his, hair matches the curtains. It was man. curlier than his hair. <laughs> this guy is all this bleached, frosted, blood-tipped curly hair, head to toe. Wow! And he's just sliming up a bath with Laura Herrig, man, right in the middle of this at movie. Grandma's house while Grandma's while missing grandma's with missing. the stove on. The phone's disconnected, too. Hey, you better get that water started. That stuff doesn't heat up on its own. <laughs> I'll be up in 10 minutes, babe. Man, I love these movies. I'm going to watch four. I'm going to watch gonna, five. Uh, I can't wait. They're on Shutter. I'm going to watch them very soon. They're yeah. bad. This is the worst rated of the five. This oh, really? This is the universally worst rated. I mean, IMDb, honestly... every place, it's ranked lower than two. This is it the It was lowest. shocking that Ricky... Is a character from two never gets into a Santa suit? Like no, like you think he's gonna steal the Santa suit from the guy at the hospital? He kills Santa. He, he kills ki- Santa immediately. That's his first kill. First kill is the Santa Claus, and then he like even meets up with a guy that he hitchhikes. He hitchhikes, yeah. and the guy's got like a Christmas sweater on. I'm like, okay, they'll put him in a Christmas sweater. Ricky keeps nice shunning. Doesn't people. do it. I kind of love that running gag of Ricky. Also, the Santa costume. When you have a giant Mars Attacks brain dome, like a Santa hat and a Santa suit, best possible disguise. Because Ricky's disguise for his brain dome is a stocking cap (laughs) that makes him look like a Charlie Brown character. Yeah. I mean... How can you not love it? When you're just seeing a guy in denim and a plastic (laughs) brain head attacking a blind girl, you are so far from Silent Night, Deadly Night. 
as, love, as a concept. This is a great denim movie. <laughs> I love how all three of them, Laura, uh, Laura Herring, the, our mate, Samantha Scully, and Eric Duray, all wore their light-washed jeans yeah. to, to Christmas at Grandma's house on Christmas Eve. He's wearing the matching, DeRay's wearing the matching jean jacket with that curly hair. God, I guess mm. I get it. That's a look. It's just that's a confidence look. Is it a Christmas look though? I, I don't it's know, a man. bad look to show up for Christmas dinner. But yeah. this grandma sounds like she understands the shit that they've been through. Right. Which is weird that they wouldn't think it's a bigger deal that she's missing with all of her appliances operating. That is the craziest thing to me. Like the, I love it. The 20 minutes in the middle of this movie where we don't care where grandma is. Poor gal. It came to this. But <laughs> I love these movies, man. I love them. This is the worst one. It's an easy itch to scratch I, for I guess me, it man. can only go up from here. It then. can only go up, but I don't know. Why did you we better do this? watch out? Why did, we, why did we start with three? Why did we, we could have picked any one. We weren't held to any rules. We could have started with one, the one we actually acknowledge is the best one. We start with You Better Watch Out. We start with the new blood. Why not? Yeah, I love it. Came Merry Christmas. This, man. God damn Merry it. Christmas. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Good night. <laughs>